Praise God. I want to get right into the word. Uh, Philippians, we'll start Philippians chapter 1 and verse number 9, and uh, we'll go from there. I realize that I have once again far more notes than I have time. And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, they, you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ, unto the glory and praise of God. He prayed that your love may abound yet more and more. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse number 1 says, Follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that you may prophesy. Follow after charity or love. The Amplified Bible says it this way, Pursue this love with eagerness. Make it your goal. Another translation says, Eagerly pursue and seek to acquire this love. Make it your aim, your great quest. The Good News Bible says, It is love then that you should strive for. The Message Bible says, go after a life of love as if your life depended on it because it does. And the Passion Translation says, so above all else, let love be the beautiful prize for which you run. We need to pursue after greater love. I know, I think I started off last week and I said this is not about finding a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Uh, this is not finding that kind of love, but it is to be filled with all the love of God that we can possibly attain. Let's pray. Father, I love you so much. Thank you for your word. I pray that you will open, our, open my mind to understand, open my spirit to receive what you would want to say tonight. Lord, let me speak as your oracle. I, I just want to speak your word, nothing more and nothing less. God, I pray that you will speak to us the word that you will endorse and that by your word and through faith you will mold us and make us into what you want us to be. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Somebody say amen. amen. Elbow somebody and tell them you need to check your love level. We talked last week about the fact that we are not just granted some measure of the love of God and that is it. But that just like we can increase our faith, we can increase our level of joy, we can in increase in righteousness, we can also grow in our level of love. Uh, I don't think that last week I talked about the the agape love that is really the subject of this lesson tonight and uh, I've heard it said that there are four different words for love in the Bible and brother Tex I studied and I searched and I looked I even consulted brother Google on this quest and I can only find two words for love in the New Testament uh, that is uh, I found the word philo or philia. It means brotherly love. It's the, it, it, is, uh, it is often translated brotherly love, and the root word is translated as friend. That's the kind of love it is. Um, but the word that we most generally talk about, the love of God, is agape love. 
Um, it is perfect, unconditional, sacrificial. It is pure love. Uh, it is the nature of God. First John 14, 16 says, And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love. He that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. And so I'm going to try for a few moments to define what agape love is, but since it's the nature of God, I think it's foolish to try to do so outside of the scope of the Bible. So I want to look at three characteristics or three divine attributes of love uh, that, that kind of help us to understand what agape love is and what we are striving to attain more of in our lives. And so the first uh, attribute is Agape love is given without any cause except that it is the nature of God. It is not based on our merits or our qualifications. Deuteronomy 7 verses 7 and 8 is God, uh, this is the explanation of why the children of Israel uh, were able to go into, or were going to go into the promised land. It says, The Lord did not set His love upon you nor choose you because you were more in number than any people, for you were the fewest of all people. But because the Lord loved you, and because He would keep the oath which He had sworn to His fathers, hath the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you out of the house of being bondmen. God saved Israel out of Egypt, not because they were good, but because He was good. Not because they were special, but because He was special. That is the love of God, attribute number one. God commendeth His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so uh, the first attribute of agape love is it's given without cause. The second attribute of agape love is it is love, love is displayed and has a result. Love is an action. And love can only be known by the action that it prompts. How many have ever hung up the phone and said, love you, ma'am? In fact, some people think that that's how you're supposed to end every conversation. Okay, love you, bye. Okay. That might be a declaration or a testimony that you do love whoever you're talking to, but it is not a demonstration of love. And agape love is only proven by demonstration, not by declaration. The most important verse in all the Bible about the love of God, for God so loved the world that He gave. It was an action that characterized the love of God. Love is displayed. Somebody say, Amen. Uh, love does not necessarily... Oh, let me, let me just throw all this out here. Love is not an emotion. Agape love is not an emotion. For God so loved the world He gave, it was a decision. Love is not an emotion. It is not a feeling, it's an action. Love does not necessarily have to be something that we feel, rather it is something that we do. It is something we give and not begrudgingly because God loves a cheerful giver. Uh, let, let me, I told you, Brother Jim, I'm going to try to just cover the good stuff. So let me skip a few things here. Uh, third characteristic of love, and I talked about it a little bit last week, 
is its primary characteristic is death. In this was, the, was manifested the love of God toward us. This is 1 John 4, 9. In this was, the manif- was manifested the love of God toward us because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. Herein is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us. And He sent His Son to be a propitiation for our sins. The primary attribute of agape love was shown that God was willing to robe Himself in flesh and die for us. Agape love is a love that gives of itself. And to have agape love is not possible on our own. Now this is a great paradox to me. Now that doesn't mean two mallards. That's, that's a paradox. But a paradox is God commands us to love. The first and greatest commandment, Brother Dennis, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength. And the second commandment is like unto that, that thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Two commandments. I command you to love with divine, perfect love. I command you to do it. By the way, you can't do it by yourself. Which seems odd until you start to think about it a little bit and God commands us to do stuff all the time that we can't do on our own. He tells us in 2 Thessalonians 3.13, Brethren, be not weary in well-doing. Brother Tim, don't be tired. What a command. God says, don't be weary. How do I do that? When I was a kid, Brother Tommy, I love, okay, full, full disclosure, I'm 42 years old and I still love to climb apple trees. I was a kid, my grandma had these two apple trees in her backyard and uh, one of them you could get up high enough to see down in the chimney of her two-story house. It was, a, it was a great climbing tree, Sister Martha. Loved climbing it. And then the derecho knocked them both over. Oh, that was worse than being out of power for two weeks. And my grandma, she did, I, I, I could have been 25 years old in that tree, and she would still say, don't you fall out of there. Great advice. <laughs> God says, don't be weary. He gives another commandment, Philippians 4, 6, be careful for nothing. In other words, don't worry about anything. I command you, don't worry about anything. I'm worried about not worrying now. Acts, and and there's more examples, I'll just give you one more. In Acts chapter 2, verse 40, I think I mentioned it last Sunday, he says, save yourself from this untoward generation. Now, I cannot will myself to not be weary. I can't will myself to not be anxious. And I surely can't try hard enough to save myself. What's that mean, save yourself? Well, when he says save yourself, it means follow these instructions and I will give you salvation. When he says don't be anxious about anything, what he really means is, if you'll read the rest of the verse... 
in everything by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known unto God with thanksgiving. And the peace of God will keep you. In other words, if you'll pray, I'll give you my peace. If you follow my instructions, I'll give you my salvation. And if you're weary, by the way, I've got an antidote to weariness. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall run and not be weary. And we talked a few weeks ago about waiting upon the Lord. I think in the Greek it means being wrapped up, tied up, tangled up with Jesus. That's essentially what it means. They that have that relationship. Uh, and, And later in Isaiah he says, For with stammering lips and with another tongue he will speak to his people to whom he said, This is the rest wherewith you may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing So he's talking about the Holy Ghost. He says, if you will follow my instructions, you don't have to save yourself, I'll save you. I'll give you peace and I will give you my strength if you are weary. And when he commands us to love, he's also telling us that he is the source of love. I think it's interesting, it says in 1 John 4, 7, I don't know how many times I've read this, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God he that loveth not knoweth not God for God is love and I probably read over that fast enough that y'all missed that really important little two letter word he said love is of God The word of is a primary preposition that means it it denotes origin or the point from where motion or action proceeds. God is the ultimate source of love. He is, that's a blanket statement. Love comes from God. He is the fountainhead of love. He is the headwaters of the river. He is the source from which love originates. You cannot produce agape love on your own. You can try really hard. You've heard it said, this this is in Matthew, you've heard it said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say, this is Jesus, I say, love your enemies and bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Love your enemy. How do you do that? I'm not going to ask anybody to raise your hand (laughs) to ask you if you've ever known somebody that, what's, what's Jesus say here? That cursed you or hated you or despitefully used you, or persecuted you. But we have a natural emotional reaction to that. And our natural emotional reaction to that is not, man, I love that person. Bless their hearts. I'm so glad that they're part of my life. That's not how we react. That is not the natural reaction. The natural reaction is not to love somebody who has done us wrong, done somebody wrong that we love. You don't get anything else out of this tonight 
I want us to walk away understanding that to have the love of God dwelling on the inside of us and flowing out of us to others, it's a supernatural experience. You can't do it on your own. Romans 5 and 5, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. If we're going to love, it's because the Holy Ghost puts love in our hearts. And we get to be... He's the source. Somebody say, He's the source. But He intends to love lost humanity, messed up humanity, cast aside humanity. He He wants to love rude people, hateful people, tall people, short people, ugly people, and pretty people through us. He's the source. But we're supposed to be a conduit of the love of God. And our flesh... I wish I had a water hose here right now. Anybody ever had a kink in the hose? How many of you guys, you've done this, you're out washing your car and you've got to go around and you want to rinse off the other side because the soap is about to dry on that side and you get over there and you... There's a source over here and there's a need over here but there's a problem with the conduit. It's got a kink in the hose and He is the source of love. And there is a problem over here. we got to get all the kinks out of the conduit so that the love of God can flow through. I wish you'd raise your hands right now. God, if there's anything in my flesh, anything in my mind, anything in my spirit that is constricting the flow of your love through me to other people that need you, I pray that you'll get it out of my spirit, get it out of my mind. Oh God, help me to be an effective conduit do it of your love in the name of Jesus in Jesus name the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost we are supposed to let his love flow through us he's the source of love second point that I get out of that is that he that loveth he says he that loveth not knoweth not God being able to possess exhibit and give love is a result of us knowing God By the way, the ability to operate in the supernatural is not proof of the love of God. And it's not proof of knowledge of God. Because Jesus said, they're going to say to me in that day, day, didn't we cast out devils in your name? Didn't we do many mighty works in your name? Didn't we do this miraculous stuff in your name? And I will say unto them, depart from me ye that work iniquity, for I never knew you, never knew you. And the source of love is the knowledge of God. Our love level is a direct function of our level of relationship with Him. Love, uh, man, i got so much stuff here, i got to move on. <clears throat> okay, so another full disclosure. I almost titled tonight's message, Love Sick. And I was afraid it was a song or something. But last week we talked about the signs and symptoms of abounding love. And I thought, if 
we went to a doctor, Dr. Reynolds, went to a doctor to get a diagnosis, see if we're infected with the love of God. Will we have enough symptoms to make the doctor think, yeah, that's what you got? So we're going to talk about some symptoms and signs of abounding love from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Some of these make sense. You read it and you're like, yeah, that makes sense. That would be an attribute of love. And some of them don't really make all that much sense. And I think they're kind of like a, a canary in a coal mine. I know what that saying means, a canary in the coal mine. Now, y'all, historians, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I think that in the olden days, and I'm not going to look at any guys that I think are old enough to remember this because I, I don't think there's anybody in here. Is this, is this correct that they would take a canary and they would go into the mine and if, if they're... What, what were they looking for, Brother Dennis? Black damp. Okay. And if that canary died, it meant you better get out of there because it ain't good. The canary died first. I think some of these symptoms these signs and attributes of love are for us to diagnose, are we in the right place? And so, let's look at some of these. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, if you've got your phone or your Bible, uh, I, I encourage you, we'll just, we'll just waltz through this this evening. 1 Corinthians 3, 14, 13, I'm sorry, 13, 4. Talked about this a little bit last week. Charity suffereth long. It means chari- if you've got charity, you have patience. I can't, I can't, oh, I heard a help me, Lord, back there. Remember, this is not to condemn. This is not, this is not to, to, to frustrate. This is so that we can take inventory. This is where I am. If I'm lacking in patience, that must mean I need a better connection with the source. So, charity suffereth long. And is kind. The word kind, it means doing good to the undeserving. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. That basically means that, that love, a symptom of love is it isn't jealous of others and doesn't provoke others to jealousy. It doth not behave itself unseemly. That just means it's not rude. If you're full of love, then you won't be rude to people. You know, sometimes I just... Never mind, got to go on, got to go on. Seeketh not her own. In other words, if you're full of the love of God, you'll put others first, even at your own expense. It's not easily provoked. It does not fly off the handle. Man. hope nobody's wearing open-toed shoes tonight. Just, just a word here. Thinketh no evil. I think that's about where we stopped last week. Thinketh no evil. I want to read that phrase to you in a couple other translations. It does not take into account a wrong endured. It doesn't keep a record of wrongs that others do. It doesn't keep score of the sins of others. It is never resentful. Love does not keep a score 
of wrongs that others have done. Man. I'm not going to ask you if you have ever been on the wrong side of this conversation. But I certainly have been on the side of the conversation where somebody has come up to me years later. I, I was, I was, I'd probably been in church five or six, seven, eight years. And somebody asked me a question about something I had done when I was a new convert. He said, did that happen? Like, yeah. Well, you shouldn't have done that. Right? <laughs> and? <laughs> but Tommy, what am I supposed to do? I'd repent it is under the blood. But, but there's somebody who wanted to bring it back up. That's not what agape love does. In fact, agape love casts our sins into a sea of forgetfulness. He separates our sins from us as far as the east is from the west. That's what agape love does. If we're filled with the love of God, we're not bringing up what you did and what you did and what you did and what you did. We're thanking God for the blood that it can be washed away. It doesn't keep a record of wrongs done. It is not resentful. Well, I remember what you did, Brother Pat. I just, you know what? It just moves on. 1 Corinthians 13 and 16, It rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Love joyfully celebrates honesty and finds no delight in what is wrong. We live in a society that celebrates iniquity, sin, vileness, Iniquity is promoted, sensationalized, marketed, embraced, and celebrated. That's the world that we live in. Psalm 12 and 8 says, The wicked walk on every side when the vilest of men are exalted. Uh, I like the New International Revised Version. It says, Proud and sinful men walk around openly, when the evil they do is praised by others. And that's where we are. We live in a society where they call good evil and evil good, and iniquity is praised by others, sinfulness is praised by others, but love doesn't celebrate sin. Are you ready for this? If we're indulging in, being entertained by, and captivated by sinful things, we need to check our love level. Because vileness is being marketed. And when you click on it, somebody gets ad revenue from it. When you watch it, somebody gets ad revenue from it. When we engage in it and allow it to become part of our home and a part of the atmosphere in our home, we... Pastor, what's that have to do with love? It has to do with checking our love level. If we love Him, we are not going to give place to iniquity. We're not going to give a place to sin. It's okay. You can be quiet. I understand. I understand. But we've got to check our love level. Am I allowing this filthiness to be part of the atmosphere in my home? If I love Him, I love Him more than I love that junk. 
In fact, I don't rejoice in it. I don't celebrate it. I don't want it around. I, what I really want is I want His presence. Love rejoices not in iniquity, but it rejoices in truth. It rejo- what is truth? That's what Pilate asked, but Jesus already had answered it. Sanctify them by thy word. Thy word is truth. We should love, Brother Pat, we should, we should love the word of God. We should celebrate the truth of God. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to them that believe. Uh, Psalm 1 and 2 talks about the blessed man, but his delight is the law of the Lord. The blessed person delights in the truth. Here's where we live. Let Let me get my phone out. Here's where we live. I can choose to indulge in things that feed my flesh. Let, let me, man, this is, this is too down to where we live. I, smile, say pastor loves the people. Nobody said it. Okay, maybe you don't believe it. Pastor loves the people. There's a lot of what we would call Neutral content that we can get to. Okay? I don't know if the Nets are going to trade Kevin Durant or not. Seven people know what I'm talking about. Nobody else cares. Okay? I don't know. I don't know. I really don't even know if, if Johnny Depp won the trial or not. There's people in here, y'all know. And I don't think knowing is good or bad. I don't care. Whatever. Here is what is the problem. Is that if we spend hours feeding our flesh with things that are not beneficial, rather, it's feeding the flesh. It's feeding the If you have a desire, if you have a craving for that, understand your flesh is desiring it. And if you give your flesh what it desires, your flesh will get stronger. But the blessed man delights in the law of the Lord. I got more verses. I got to throw some more verses out here. Psalmist, he says, I will delight myself in thy statutes. He says, Thy testimonies are my delight. Make me to know the path of thy commandments, for therein do I delight. I will delight myself in thy commandments, which I have loved. I rejoice at thy word as one that findeth great spoil or a great treasure. I understand. We have this choice. We can feed our flesh, or we can choose to delight ourselves in the law of the Lord. And, here's the canary in the coal mine. If we've got a greater desire to feed the flesh than we do to seek after the word of God, we've got a love issue. And there's only one source that can fix that. It's getting a hold of the one that is the source of all love. And and we'll close right now. You can stand if you want to. Verse 17, we might talk about next week. 
Verse 17 tells us, I'm sorry, verse 7, that love beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Love never fails. If we've got love, it's going to be all right. It never fails. And so tonight, before we leave here, I wonder if right where we are, we could just close our eyes, meditate upon the Lord. Because what I really want us to do over these last two weeks is to take inventory of where our level of love is. And, and I promise you that the guy holding the microphone has some stuff he needs to work on. And I would say everybody in this room has stuff that we need to work on. But the only fix, the only solution, the only help, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord. God, we need you today. I love you. I thank you so much. God. God, I need your love. I, I'm not where I need to be. I, I, don't, I don't have an overabundance of your love. I'm not satisfied with the level of agape love that I have in my life, that I display in my life, that flows out of my life into others. I desire more of you, Lord Jesus. God, I pray today that you will begin to talk to us if there are shortcomings, if there are places that we need to, to emphasize in our lives where, where your love needs to have the preeminence. I pray you'll talk to every individual in this place today. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Why don't you take the hand of that person beside you. I want you to pray a prayer of encouragement. We're not going to leave here discouraged. We're not going to leave here condemned. That's not the point at all. The point is, God, take us from where we are right now to where you want us to be. Oh, mighty God. Mighty God, don't let us be satisfied with where we are, but take us to a greater dimension in You. Let us know You in a greater way. Let us understand You and let the love of God flow through us in a greater way. Almighty God, mighty God, mighty God, I pray that You will take this Word and every individual from this guy right here, Lord, to every individual in this place, I pray that You will take Your Word and that You will begin to mold us into Your image. God, I pray that You will begin to use Your Word and, and that You will use it as a hammer in our lives, that You will chip off rough edges, that You will chip away things that aren't supposed to be there for surely. God, You're going to make us into a masterpiece. I pray that You would chip away those things that are not beneficial, those things that are not expedient, those things that are not profitable to You. Let Your love have preeminence in our lives, O oh God. In the name of the Lord Jesus.